Things don't quite work sometimes. But it's all good. Jesus is on the throne. And nothing is too difficult for him. Little guy said, our teacher asked what my favorite animal was, and I said, fried chicken. <laughs> she said I wasn't funny, but she couldn't, ha she couldn't have been right because everyone else laughed. My parents told me to always tell the truth. I did. Fried chicken is my favorite animal. I told my dad what happened. He said, my teacher is probably a member of PETA. <laughs> he said, they love animals very much. I do too, especially chicken, pork, and beef. Anyway, my teacher sent me to the principal's office, told him what happened. He laughed, too. <laughs> then he told me not to do it again. Next day in class, my teacher asked me what my favorite live animal was. I told her it was chicken. She asked me why, so I told her it was because you could make them into fried chicken. <laughs> she sent me back to the principal's office. He laughed and told me not to do it again. I don't understand. My parents taught me to be honest, but my teacher doesn't like it when I am. Today, my teacher asked me to tell her what famous person I admired most. I told her, Colonel Sanders. <laughs> Guess where I am now? <laughs> Beneath the floorboards. Live wires, see ya. Let's hear for our children as they leave. Oh, yeah. Love those kids. So, I want to talk today about the stuff beneath the floorboards of our lives. I like to call it iceberg issues. You all know what an iceberg is. Chunk of ice broken off, floating. And yet what you see above the surface is just a small portion of what's really there. And, and so much of our lives are like that. There's so much more below the waterline, beneath the floorboards, so to speak. Last week, I'm sure you heard about the, the shooting in Heston, Kansas. Heston's about 30 minutes from where I grew up. I mean, I've been to Heston, Kansas. There's nothing there except that plant. 3,700 people live there. And a gunman shoots, kills three, wounds 14 or so before dying himself in a shootout. And it makes you ask the question, what was going on underground in his life? Nobody saw it coming. 
we see this time and time again where you just never know what's going on below the surface, beneath the floorboards. And, and it affects everything in your life. And so this morning I ask you, what's beneath your floorboards? What are the iceberg issues in your life? Sometimes they can be large things. Other times it just doesn't seem to be that big of a deal. But as it goes underground and begins to fester and grow and get infected, things begin to happen. Terry Crews, the former NFL pro turned actor, has taken to social media confessing to a pornography addiction that he says ruined his life. For years, 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 my dirty little secret was that I was addicted to pornography, Cruz 47 revealed, adding that his obsession began at age 12. He says, it really, really messed up my life in a lot of ways. Once I got into therapy and started learning about guilt and shame and the fact that shame tells you you're bad as opposed to something you did was wrong, I found that there was no way out of that, he explained. Once you believe that you're bad, then all of a sudden, every decision you make in your life kind of goes by that. Cruz confessed that his addiction was killing his relationship. Once he got help, he came to realize everything he needed was in his wife, Rebecca. Every man out there desires intimacy, he explained. But the problem is, pornography is an intimacy killer. Amen. Did you know that statistics show that only... 3% of boys and 17% of girls have never seen internet pornography. That means 97% of boys and 83% of girls have seen it, and many of them have seen every aspect of it. It's a new day. And nobody wants to talk about this kind of stuff. And, and you know what? And, and it... And I'm, I'm not here to talk about pornography. But if we did, there'd be a lot of floorboards that need to be uncovered. It may not be something as big as that. The reality is life hurts and causes pain for everyone. And all of us have unresolved pain in our past. Everyone has baggage. Sometimes we look at successful people and think, if I just had what they have, I wouldn't be dealing with any of this. Their life's perfect. Actor Jim Carrey said, I wish everyone could experience being rich and famous so they'd see it wasn't the answer to anything. Tom Brady, New England Patriots quarterback, said, why do I have three Super Bowl rings and I still think there's something greater out there for me? I look at my life and I think, there's got to be more than this. And, and you may be sitting here saying the same thing. There's got to be more than this. And, and then you look underneath the floorboards of your life and you realize what's underground, what's hidden, what the iceberg stuff is, is affecting you in a big way. And sometimes it's something that was done to you by someone else. Or it could be something that you went through that you had no choice in. Or it could be something you got yourself into by your own decisions. 
However you got your baggage, if you don't deal with it and allow God to help you, it will affect you and everyone you have contact with. And no one will know why you do what you do or where that came from or how you ended up in the mess you're in because it's iceberg stuff. All they can see is the little piece above the waterline. But what's going on really is below the surface. And that's the dangerous part. It's beneath the floorboards. And, and nobody sees it but you and God. And it's affecting everything you are and everything you do. Can I tell you today, God wants to help you. Amen. Would you turn to your neighbor and tell them, God wants to help you today. God wants to bring freedom to you. Tell them, God wants to bring freedom to you. God wants to deal with it, but it has to come into the light so it can remove its hold and power over you. Amen. You remember the Wizard of Oz? Now, I never saw the Wizard of Oz growing up because they only showed it on television on Sunday nights. I went to church every Sunday night of my life. And so I never saw it. And then, then we had kids, and Christy's like, we've got to watch the Wizard of Oz. I'm like, don't know what it's about. Favorite scene. Wizard of Oz doing his thing behind the curtain. And then the curtain comes open. Who's the dog? Toto pulls the curtain back, right? And he's like, oh. Never mind that guy behind the curtain, you know. <laughs> Why? Because when the curtain comes back, he's lost all his secret power. Amen. He's lost his ability to hold things over you. And it's the same way with the enemy. Because exposure of what's beneath the floorboards takes its power away. So pay attention to that man behind the curtain. 1 John chapter 1, verse 7, John says it this way, but if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other. That word fellowship, it's, it's the Greek word koinonia, and it, it, it has several meanings, communicate, communion, community, intimacy. It is a word that... that basically explains the union of man and wife. Intimate, where there's nothing between. And John says, if you'll walk in the light, if you'll expose everything to the light, you'll find yourself in a place of fellowship with each other. You'll be able to communicate and commune on a very intimate level. Nothing blocking that. And he goes on. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Come on. How's that happen? Step into the light. Peel the floorboard back. Let the light come in. And when the light comes... Everything's exposed. Everybody's like, whoa, okay, all right. And then Jesus steps in and cleanses you from all sin. 
John goes on, if we claim we have no sin, I'm good, right? You're fooling yourself. We're only fooling ourselves not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, somebody say to him. If we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all all wickedness. What an awesome God. But he can't do that if you keep it under the floorboards. If you're always trying to cover it up and hide it and keep it out of everybody's sight, he says, come up into the light. Step into the light. Walk in the light as he is in the light. You'll start finding out you got fellowship with, with people of like precious faith who all got the same kind of junk you got going on. Amen. We all got junk. Go ahead. You know. You know it's true. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. The blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. Hallelujah. There's no magic wand to wave over your baggage to make it disappear. But there is a Savior. A Savior who wants to show you how to walk away from your baggage and be free. God's not the author of your pain, but he can use your pain to produce his purposes in your life. He can take your pain and use it for progress in your life if you'll uncover it, turn it over to him. And every step is necessary. You ever missed a step? You ever fall flat on your face? Maybe you're running down some steps. You're thinking, I don't need every step. I'm just, right? You find yourself in a mess because every step is necessary. What, what, if, what if you prayed tonight, you go to bed, and you're thinking, man, I wish I had a whole lot less weight and a whole lot more muscle. So, God, I'm just going to ask you to do that overnight. It would be great. <laughs> How many think you'd, you'd wake up 30 pounds lighter, right? Lean and fit, bulging in the right places. Makes sense, right? <laughs> but there's some steps you got to take. Come on. There's no shortcut. There's no secret group to join. There's no miracle cure. There's, there's no simple secret to becoming more like Jesus or getting rid of all the underground, beneath-the-floorboard stuff. But there are next steps. The next step is the most important one because it's the next step you take. It's the most important one. Amen. And then the next step, because Jesus said, if you'll follow me, just one foot in front of the other. Keep taking steps following Jesus. And the first one is to step into the light, to live in the light. That first next step is to bring it into the light. Be honest with God. Be honest before God. He can handle it. He's heard worse stuff than yours. Okay? And he's able 
Open your heart to him. Trust him with your pain. Healing never comes from hiding. Healing never comes from hiding. Bring it into the light. And then take the next step. Have unhindered fellowship as he cleanses you. Then take the next step. And then take the next step. Because Jesus said, just follow me. Follow me. The pastor asked a boy leaving church how he was doing. The boy said he was hurting. The pastor said, why are you hurting? The boy said, I, I fell out of bed. The pastor said, why would you fall out of bed? The boy said, well, I guess I stayed too close to where I got into it. There's some truth there. Sometimes the reason we're falling is because we're staying too close to where we got in. I mean, get in. Get all in. And then open up and say, God, here it is, everything. I need you to step in and help me. And you might be sitting here thinking, hey, I'm damaged goods. God can't do anything with this mess. Amos chapter 9, verse 11, God says, In that day, I will restore the fallen house of David. I will repair its damaged walls. From the ruins, I will rebuild it and restore its former glory. That's God. That's what he does. He takes broken down, messed up, ruined, damaged people and then he fixes them and rebuilds and rejuvenates and puts them on showcase and says, look, look what I can do. What an awesome God. And we're privileged to be a part of his family. God will take fallen, damaged ruins and rebuild and restore them. In fact, one of those people is Jimmy Evans. Here's what he writes. Life hurts and all of us have unresolved pain in our past. Why? It's because we're human. And unfortunately, pain is part of the human experience. This pain accumulates in our hearts, begins to compromise us, and forces us to deal with it. And sometimes we deal with it the right way. We give it to God and bring it into the light. But sometimes the devil builds walls of fear and shame around our hurts, forcing us to keep them in the darkness. And that's a terrible choice because we will never find healing for life's wounds if we keep them hidden. Healing never comes from hiding. I believe there are three essential requirements for emotional healing from these wounds, and here's what he says. The first is honesty before God. You have to open your heart to him and trust him with your pain. There's nothing you've done, no abuse, no failure, no fear that will make him reject you through prayer. Bring those hurts into God's presence. Bring them into the light. Lay them at his feet. Ask for his mercy and grace in your time of need. Remember that Jesus understands pain more than anyone else in this world. Amen. This is the second is responsibility to God. After giving your pain to God, you have to take responsibility for your behavior. Life itself doesn't form you, but your response to life forms who you are. You're not the victim of your parents, your siblings, or your friends. You are not helpless. Tell your neighbor, you're not helpless. You have a choice in this. 
He says, many years ago, I knew one family that was filled with dysfunction and pain. There were three children. 30 years later, one child is still full of hate and refuses to talk about the family. Another became addicted to drugs and alcohol. But the third found Christ, returned to the family, and led the parents to the Lord. He says, we have a choice in how we respond to life. We have to own up to our own behavior especially actions related to what other people have done to us. And then he says the third is mercy from God. This mercy not only applies to those who have hurt you, but also to, to you personally. Over the years, I've found that many people struggle with self-forgiveness. They believe that God forgives, but sometimes they refuse to forgive themselves for things they've done. He says, regret is one of the worst things the devil uses to cause misery. We don't have to live with regret. We're forgiven. We are forgiven. Jesus died for the forgiveness of our sins, and if he has forgiven us, we need to forgive ourselves and then learn from our mistakes. And here's how he concludes. His wife, he says, Karen and I almost divorced. Both of us were overwhelmed by our past wounds. They turned me into a horrible, dominant, verbally abusive husband. But because we each brought our pain to God, giving it to him, taking responsibility for our actions and accepting his forgiveness, he now uses our difficult past to help improve marriages all over the world. Our greatest failures can bring the greatest glory to God. Our most painful scars can bring healing to others. We all have unresolved pain, but God can take those hurts and turn them into something that not only draws us closer to him, but blesses others. And he says, give your deepest wounds and failures to him today. God is able to do far more than you could ever ask or imagine. Beyond your thinking, let me encourage you, uncover your junk, bring it to him. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 says, Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we can ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. He's able to do exceeding abundantly above all you could ask or think according to the power that is already at work within you, changing you into his image. Amen. But you got to bring it into the light. you got to open up, peel the floorboard back, and let his light penetrate the darkness. Psalm 126, the psalmist declares, when the Lord brought back his exiles to Jerusalem, it was like a dream. Another translation says, when the Lord brought back the captive ones of Zion, we were like those who dream. Something happens when God sets you free. Amen. You start seeing things different. You start dreaming where you didn't dream before. You didn't really think anything could happen good in your life. And all of a sudden you're seeing possibilities. And, and wow, God could, what? Are you serious? God could do, oh man, this is amazing. Amen. It says it was like a dream. We were filled with laughter. We sang for joy. And the other nations said, what amazing things the Lord has done for them. 
Yes, the Lord has done amazing things for us. What joy. Hallelujah. What joy. And then he says, restore our fortunes, Lord. The things that the enemies tried to rob from us. Those areas where we thought were dead and gone and seems like the enemy's stolen. Restore our fortunes, Lord. As streams renew the desert. Where, where it's dry. In our prayer time this morning, Isaiah shared that when you feel dry, best place to start a fire is where it's dry. Strike the match of the Holy Spirit. See what God will do. The psalmist says, where the desert is, God's able to bring streams of living water. He's able to flood the desert. I mean, I remember one time we're driving in, in Arizona, and I, I saw this sign that said the Gila River. And I got excited. I hadn't seen water in a long time. And I, I see this huge four-lane bridge across this area. I'm driving, driving across the bridge, looking both ways, nothing. I mean, it was just a dry riverbed. And I thought to myself, how dare them call this a river? The Gila River, seriously? But I found out when it does rain in the desert, that place floods. <laughs> and maybe, just maybe, God's setting you up for a flood in your life. But you've got to get yourself prepared for it. You've got to get ready for what God wants to do. And he says, restore our fortunes, Lord, as streams renew the desert. Those who plant in tears will harvest with shouts of joy. They weep as they go to plant their seed, but they sing as they return with the harvest. Yeah, I, when I read that I, years ago, I... I used to think you had to cry in order to get a harvest, right? I just That's what I thought. So I, okay, because I wasn't a good crier. I'm like, how do you get those things to come out? And my wife, she can cry at the drop of a hat. And then I found out that planting season in Palestine was in the cold winter months when the, the cold north wind would blow against the farmer's face. And the tears would start to flow. And he wasn't crying because he wanted to. He was crying because the circumstances were causing tears to flow. But he planted anyway because he knew if I don't plant now, I'm not going to have a harvest later. If I don't get off the couch and work now when it's difficult outside, if I don't do the right thing in the tough time, I won't have a harvest later. And so he sows in tears. He plants when the 
the winter blows against his eyes and causes tears to flow. He's doing the right thing in the tough times. The psalmist says, look, you sow in tears, you'll reap with joy. When everybody else is looking around going, where's my harvest? You got a harvest because you did the right thing in the difficult times. He says, if you'll, if you'll sow or plant your seed, you'll begin to weep, but you'll sing as you return with the harvest. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Sometimes you need to let worship frame your situation and allow a whole new perspective to guide you, a heavenly perspective. King David, Psalmist David, had his share of beneath the floorboard stuff, right? You go back in his life, he was ridiculed by his brothers. What? You just want to come out here and watch the war? He's like, what war? You guys are running every time Goliath shows up. That ain't no war. Ridiculed. Go back to those few sheep you have. He was looked down on by his entire family. Wasn't even counted worthy to come into the lineup when they were looking for the king. He was belittled by Saul, hunted like an animal, sinned with Bathsheba, and then murdered her husband to cover it up beneath the floorboards. And here's what King David, Psalmist David, wrote in Psalm 145. I will exalt you, my God and King, and praise your name forever and ever. I will praise you every day. Yes, I will praise you forever. Great is the Lord. He is most worthy of praise. No one can measure his greatness. Let each generation tell its children of your mighty acts. Let them proclaim your power. I will meditate on your majestic, glorious splendor and your wonderful miracles. Your awe-inspiring deeds will be on every tongue. I will proclaim your greatness. Everyone will share the story of your wonderful goodness. They will sing with joy about your righteousness. And then he remembers, the Lord is merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. The Lord is good to everyone. David's sitting there going, yeah, I remember all that stuff, that junk in my life. God is good to everyone. He showers compassion on all his creation. All of your works will thank you, Lord, and your faithful followers will praise you. They will speak of the glory of your kingdom. They will give examples of your power. They will tell about your mighty deeds, about the majesty and glory of your reign. (coughs) For your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. You rule throughout all generations. The Lord always keeps his promises. He is gracious in all he does. And I think he remembers again all of a sudden he says, the Lord helps the fallen. And lifts those bent beneath their loads. The eyes of all look to you in hope. You give them their food as they need it. When you open your hand, you satisfy the hunger and thirst of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in everything he does. He is filled with kindness. The Lord is close to all who call on him. Yes, to all who call on him 
in truth. To those who peel the floorboard back, say, here's the truth. And for some of us, God can't help us because we won't tell him the truth. We want to come to him going, you like this? This is good, right? Huh? You saw inside, right? Everything's good. Oh, that, that thing. Oh, yeah, well, you know. Mom and dad, my brother, sisters. Huh? Yeah, no, 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 I'm good, I'm good, yeah. Right? I'm good, right? And he says, peel it back. Go beneath the floorboards. He grants the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cries for help and rescues them. The Lord protects all those who love him, but he destroys the wicked. I will praise the Lord. And may everyone on earth bless his holy name forever and ever, forever and ever. We've all got baggage. But if we live in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we're fooling ourselves. But if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just and will forgive us from all unrighteousness. Watch this. You've heard the saying, He's carrying a lot of baggage from his past, or avoid her baggage. But think about it. I mean, baggage, it's, we get it from other people, the things that they do to us or say to us. And if we carry those memories around, in essence, we carry baggage. We begin collecting baggage when we're just little kids. There you are. Hey, 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 hi, hey. Hey, I need to talk to you. Yeah, what? Well, um, we were talking about building the, the treehouse. Yeah, yeah. I love treehouses. Yeah, it's just a thing. Um, see, you can't help us build the treehouse. Why? Well, you don't really want me to tell you. Yeah, I do. Okay, well, we were talking. Um, um, the gang, we were talking. Yeah. Um, well, you're too fat. What? You'll weigh down the treehouse. I'm not fat. Yes. No, no, yes. I'm not. No, no. Uh, mommy just says I'm big boned. Dinosaurs are big bone, you're fat. No, 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 mommy says I'm chunky. <laughs> Peanut butter's chunky, you're fat. No, 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 mommy says that I've lost weight. I think you found it. No, 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 mommy says I'm just different. <laughs> Your mommy says you're just different? Yeah, I'm just different. <laughs> go back to where you came from. I gotta go, bye. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. It's one of the biggest lies we teach children. Words hurt, they cut deep. And if we carry around the words of other people, essentially what we do is, we're collecting baggage. See, we can't, we can't find our self-worth based on what other people think of us. We have to find our self-worth based on Christ and our relationship with Him. But it doesn't seem to be that easy. 
And as life goes on and we get older, we just tend to collect more baggage. Sometimes we pick up baggage from people who are very close to us, like a best friend. No, I, I know. I know, Shelly. I know. It's like we talked for three hours and it seemed like five minutes. I know. I know. I know. It's like we have this amazing connection, this chemistry. Okay, I'm just going to say this, Shelly. I've never said this to anyone in a really long time. Um, Shelly, I feel like you're, you're my density. I really, really do. No, you're right. You're my, you're my destiny. That's what I meant. You're my destiny, right? I'm just so false. Hey, he's right here. I got to go. Okay, bye. Hey, buddy, what's up? How much are you talking to? Um, um, talking to my mom. Your mom's your destiny. Yeah, yeah, I mean, she gave birth to me and everything. Yeah, I mean, yeah, kudos. Really? Because yeah. it sounds like you said Shelly. Yeah, um, that's, that's her name. I thought your mom's name was Kelly. That's her middle name. Your mom's name is Kelly Shelly? Yeah, yeah, and she was picked on a lot when she was a kid, so I just really tried to encourage her all the time and tell her, I love her. what's wrong with that? Okay, you know, okay, well, whatever, whatever. Did you talk to my Shelly? Yeah, I did. Um, and? She's not... She's not going to be your Shelly. Look, we just started talking. We just, we just kind of hit it off. It just happened. I mean, we had this great chemistry. Just No, 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 no. You were supposed to call her for me. I did. I started out doing that. I did. You no. don't believe me. You're supposed to be my best friend. I, I am. Don't, don't let a girl come between us, okay? This I is didn't. You did this. Look, man, you know I've liked her since we were in kindergarten, and you were supposed to talk to her for me. Yes, but, but I've been your best friend since kindergarten, and we've always said growing up, best friends forever, right? Yeah, well, you know what? Forever just got a lot short. Don't do this. Don't do this. It's you did this. You're supposed to be my best friend. And our friends, they're just trying to get through life the same way we are and sometimes they're going to make poor choices and we can either learn to forgive them or we can pick up more baggage you know the truth about baggage is we don't need other people to load it on us we do a pretty good job of dumping baggage on ourselves when we compare ourselves to others we think things like ah oh, if I could be as popular as they are, I could be as gifted and talented as they are, but I'm not. I'm a loser. I'm no good. And when we think that, we pick up more baggage. Or we find ourselves thinking, they haven't made. And why is life so easy for them and so hard for me? I'm never going to make it. And when we buy into that lie, more baggage and sometimes sometimes we pick up baggage from people who love us dearly they just don't realize that their words cut like a knife son hey dad what happened out there uh, um the ball slipped the, the lights got in my eyes it was... the lights got in your eyes yeah you know that's what costs us the game don't you ball slipped. How many times have I gotten up in the morning before 5 a.m. before I go to work to work on the stuff with you? Huh? There were scouts out there. You realize that? Dad, the ball slipped. The ball slipped. It did. I mean, what, what do you want? Hey, coach. Huh? No. <laughs> Butterfingers, yeah. 
<laughs> We're going to work with them. Uh-huh. All right. See you later. Are you crying? No. Well, don't. Pull it together. People are watching. I want you to grab your stuff. I'm going to go to the car and I'll meet you there, all right? Dad, I'm just disappointed in you, all right? These were our dreams, right? Grab your stuff. And our parents, they don't mean to hurt us. It's just they've got their own baggage. And when you don't deal with baggage, you pass it on. And for us, we have to learn to find our self-worth only in our relationship with Christ. And if we don't, we pick up more baggage. It gets uncomfortable, tedious, and our natural tendency is to want to dump this baggage onto someone else, but it always backfires. Hey, can I ask you a question? What are you doing in my room? I just need to ask you a question. What? Can, can you give me and my friends a ride to school? It, it, it's cold and I don't want to ride my bike. What? what? Are you really asking that? Yeah, I don't think it's a big deal. Just give me a ride and some of my friends to school. You need to understand something. Just because you and your loser friends are in high school now doesn't mean I'm going to give you a ride, okay? Because look at me. You need to understand that when people look at you, they see a freak, all right? And if they know that I'm related to you, if they know we're brothers, they're going to think I'm a freak too, okay? And I'm not okay with that. So here's the deal. I don't care how you get there. I don't care if you have to walk or crawl or whatever, but I'm not going to be a chauffeur for you and your loser friends, okay? It's not my fault that Dad left. Why do you keep taking out on me? Whatever. No, you know I'm right. Okay. I'm sorry. You're not sorry. You're only sorry that I'm calling you out. I'll just ride my bike. I said I was sorry. I'll ride my bike. Come on. And in the process of trying to dump our baggage on someone else, inevitably what happens is we pick up more baggage. And then there's that one, my sin, my secret sin. It's, um, it's cool. I mean, uh, I've got it under control. Who am I kidding? What's the time that's control of me? And this is the way I live. And yet, I hear the words of Christ who says, I've come that you may have life and may have it abundantly. I don't know about you, but this doesn't really feel like abundant life to me. I, I, I can't walk straight. I can barely keep my balance. And then, and then I remember his words. Christ also said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. That's what I want. That's what I want. So I go to God. God, please, if you're willing, would you take this baggage from me? Because God, I'm miserable and I can't live this way anymore. 
please take it. Stand with me. He'll take it if you'll give it to him. And I just feel like today he wants to take all your stuff. But you've got to bring it into the light. And I love what he says. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with each other, and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. If we confess our sin to him, he's faithful and just. The stuff in your baggage, the stuff beneath the floorboards may not even be sin, but it doesn't have to control your life any longer. And I just feel like God wants us to come this way today if you want to just lay some stuff down. The band's going to sing. We're going to worship the Lord together. We're going to begin to worship and reframe our situation. But if anything spoke to you today, you say, you know what? I'm just going to bring it to the Lord and say, here, Lord, I, I don't want to carry it any longer. I want to expose it to the light so it doesn't have any power over me any longer. If that's you as they say, just come. Come and lay it down. Come in the name of Jesus.